Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. One of the first lessons I learned when I began this podcast, that it was no longer necessary to just look at individual shares and companies. ETFs, or exchange-traded funds, provide a vast smorgasbord of investment options, but the number of choices can also create confusion. So today we welcome Kanish Chug from ETF Securities to explain ETFs to us. No, cheers. Thanks, Phil. Kanish, before entering the investment management industry, you worked in the financial media industry at both the Fin Review and Insto Publications. Yeah, How was that? It was, look, it was a good entrance into the market. Actually, when I finished university, I finished around the time of the GFC. Yeah. So it was a tricky time to find a job. So it was a matter of you know, finding something linked mm-hmm. to the financial services area. And that's sort of what I was able to do. So it was a good experience seeing from the other side. Yeah. Um, but so that, that was one of the best things for me was actually trying to work out where in finance I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was you know, specifically within asset management. Yeah. So why asset management? And what is that asset management? Yes, yeah, so asset management essentially is, you know, when you consider your anyone's super funds, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is the management of those funds. Yeah, you know, that is asset management. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are asset management companies. So their basically main role is to manage funds on behalf of investors. Mm-hmm. So someone like a, um, a Fidelity, for mm-hmm. example, Fidelity, they have a, a very successful active Australian equity fund. Now, They've got a portfolio manager, they've got a team of analysts, and that's what their role is, you know, making sure that they make the best decisions from their perspective to achieve the outcome that they're targeting. So um, one of the terms you hear coming up is active and passive. Yes. What's, what's active mean? Yeah, so active basically means that there's someone making a decision, whether they're using bottom-up research, so basically they're looking at, you know, all the companies on the ground and they're really trying to identify trends. And from that, they're driving that research up to make a particular company decision. You know, they're making some form of active decision around the portfolio. So when I talk about an active Australian equity manager, um, what they're doing is they're saying, we're going to build a portfolio of 25 to 30 stocks. Or Australian, Australian stocks. Australian stocks. equities. Equities Australian are stocks, equities, are stocks are shares. Stocks, yep, yep, exactly. Shares equals equities equals stocks. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what... And I was speaking with friends on the weekend, exactly the same thing I was having to explain to them. You know, what is an equity? It's a share. Yeah. Um, and so that's what an active manager is doing. They're sitting there going, okay, we're going to create a portfolio of... Basket of, of stocks or shares, and but we're going to choose, you know, based on what their belief is. And those managers, they can be, they've got all sorts of strategies, don't they? There's there's a million strategies. There's so many different yeah. types of strategies. You know, you've got strategies from being, you know, we use, sometimes we use the word fundamental, mm-hmm. and what that means is bottom up research. So they're fundamentally doing the research on the stocks, and that is what is driving their decision around to buy one stock over another. And so fundamental is when they're looking at the actual numbers the of, actual, the, the, yeah, the, of the, the company. The, the real, they're doing the guts of the research. They're going out to, you know, to the mines and actually doing site visits of you know, BHP and you know, Newcrest and actually seeing with their own eyes what's happening and, and you know, speak, sitting with the management and trying to understand what their, what their philosophy is and what their strategy is for the growth. 
And I guess that's the difference where you've got passive. So what is passive investing? Now, passive is, you know, it was started by Vanguard over 60 years ago. And it was the idea, and it's sort of the Warren Buffett style sort of theory, which is why buy individual stocks when you can just buy the actual market? So passive investing really is takes that decision making out. So there is no portfolio manager sitting there going, I will buy BHP over Rio, or we should buy CBA over ANZ. What passive investing is saying is you buy a benchmark. That is what passive investing is. It gives investors the ability to just say, I want the market or I want that index exposure. And that started to evolve. And that's where ETFs have really come into its fore is the evolution of indexing. And therefore, we've seen this big growth over the past 20 years globally in, in, in exchange-traded funds. Okay, tell us about an exchange-traded fund. An exchange is your stock exchange. So if you flip the words in reverse, it's a fund that is traded on exchange. Simple as that. So it's open-ended. Now, what does that mean? It means that there's I can continue to buy units. There's no sort of limitations around how big the fund can get. So therefore, what it means is investors can then buy and sell an ETF as quickly and as easily as they do a normal share. So if they have a Telstra share, if they have a Commonwealth Bank share, if they have an ANZ share, um, they can they buy and sell that via you know the Comsec accounts or via their stockbroker or financial planner, for example. An ETF all have a code attached to them. You know, an example is um, we've launched a India equity ETF and the code is NDIA. And so simply a person can put in NDIA and they can look and say, okay, well, I can buy and sell that as I do a normal share. You know, majority of ETFs in Australia are physically backed, so they hold the underlying equities or bonds or commodities or currencies. So they're very simple. They're very transparent. And all the idea is it allows the investor to buy and sell that as they do a normal share. And it's got one other big advantage as well, hasn't it? Yeah, I guess, well, there's a few big advantages. One is cost because we're tracking an index. We're not making any decisions. We're simply saying you're buying the index. So an example there is iShares. Now, iShares is a big global ETF provider. You know, I think they're the, the second largest in the world. They've got a S&P 500 ETF. Now, what is the S&P 500? That's the US index. So that's the largest 500 stocks on the US market by size. They've been able to offer that ETF for investors for 0.04% management fee. Now, that is so cheap. That is so close to zero. It's, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. But, you know, it's so cheap. You know, we look at our um, our infrastructure ETF, our global infrastructure ETF that we have, and the, the ticker, the ASX code or the ticker is the other word that we use, is CORE, C-O-R-E. And that is 45, 0.45%. So 45 basis points, or 0.45%. Now, if I looked at an active infrastructure fund, you're paying 1% plus. Kanish, are there any risks involved in buying ETFs? Look, I think there are risks with any investment. Um, so whether it's, you know, the the risk of the particular product, you know, investors need to be aware of what they're buying. Um, so for investors, they really need to come back to what am I actually investing in? So I sort of, and I get laughed at, but I sort of say, look under the bonnet. 
um, to really lift the bonnet up and understand an ETF is going to track an index, but what is that index? Now, an example there is European equity ETFs. So I want Europe um, share exposure, but how do I get it? Okay, let me look at the ETFs that are available. Now, there are about five ETFs that do that. They offer some form of European equity exposure, but by the way, they all offer a different type of exposure. So you've got some there that offer broad Europe, so they include the UK, they include Switzerland. You've got one there that offers really broad Europe in terms of 1,600 stocks, and one that's really concentrated, about 350 stocks. And then you've got, we've, so we've got a product in a European Eurostoxx 50 index, so that's the main index for Europe. It's, the code is ESTX. And that is no UK exposure. So that's the only ETF on the market that has no UK exposure. So with Brexit happening, if you think, okay, well, what should I do? I don't want that you know, currency exposure. I don't want the UK market. Let me look at that. Or if an investor says, well, I want some UK exposure, well, look, what, what products are available? So that's just in European equities. And so that's the key thing there is investors for ETFs really need to lift the bonnet up and understand what's underlying. And, you know, always speak to the fund managers. So speak to the ETF providers, whoever they may be. Um, They're happy. There's a lot of resources available to them. And I think the problem is there's so much resource and content that investors can look at. So sometimes the easiest thing is pick up the phone and actually speak to one of the team. You know, we've got retail investors that will call us up and just ask us, look, I need to understand what is this you know, robotics and automation ETF that you've got. Tell me a bit more about it. Um, or your physical gold ETF. Is it actually physically backed? Is it not? Like, what? Just tell me more about it. And obviously, we will try and help investors as much as possible. Speak to a financial professional is all, is always a good thing. Um, you know, try to get some insight from them as well. I think that's one of the things that um, ETFs originally, or um, when you start thinking about ETFs, you think, oh, this is um, very easy. I don't have to worry and think about individual stocks anymore. But then, of course, there's so many different kinds of products mm. and so many different ETFs investing in different sectors and different parts of the world that it can become confusing as well. But um, I first came across you via Chris, your CEO, yes. at um, the ASX Investor Day, and he gave a great presentation. And the um, it was about robotics and artificial intelligence. His presentation that was one of the most exciting things because you you realise that in Australia, you're not there's a whole range of industries that are not represented yeah so i think that's a key point around etfs is the evolution of etfs has meant that so 16 years ago when etfs were launched in australia for the first time it was very simply it was market trackers so i'm going to buy the s&p 500 or we launched the first gold etf around the world so i just want gold exposure so physical gold so gold price moves up that's what i get but then you start to see the evolution of indexing the evolution of etfs and what that has meant is you now ETFs gives you the ability to really drill down to a sector or a theme or a region that previously for investors here in Australia they couldn't do. So at ETF Securities, our big you know mantra is providing intelligent alternatives. So what we want to do is give clients the ability to say if I want to take that thematic exposure, I want to drill down into those areas, I can do that now. So we launched Robo which is the ROBO, which is that ETF that Chris, my, my CEO, was speaking about. And that looks at robotics, automation, and artificial intelligence. So the whole idea is it's a disruptor. So what are we going to have in the future? And how do I also invest in that? 
And that's the idea of something like Robo is it's looking at stocks that generate revenue from this mega trend of robotics, automation and artificial intelligence. So robotics and automation has been around for about 50, 60 years. You know, we've seen it in manufacturing where Ford can produce a vehicle every 10 seconds. Or you've got a company like Porsche who have decided they don't want to create automated processing lines. But what they want to do is they want to use robotics and automation to still have but manual workforce, but help them. So they have exoskeletons on them to allow their workers who are getting older to lift heavier things and put heavy, like all those things in place. But it's not in certain countries. For example, in South Korea, there's about 1,000 robots per 10,000 employee workers. You know, so you've got a lot of robots. In China, it's about 200 robots per 10,000 employees. So there's still a lot of growth to move in the emerging markets around the use of robotics. But that's then you move outside of the industrial space and manufacturing space. What about in consumer? What about in healthcare? So, you know, I'd be, I'd be interested to know about how many, how many of the listeners here would actually have a robotic vacuum cleaner. And, you know, we, so in the Robo ETF, we've got an exposure to a company called iRobot. Mm-hmm. And they produce the Roomba. And the Roomba is one of the biggest manufacturers of robotic vacuum cleaners. Now, that is just an evolution. But what that's done is they've taken the different aspects of technology that has been developed in the automotive space, sensing software that's de- developed in for cars, utilize it in a little vacuum cleaner, and they're selling that for about $1,000, and you can have that. But it's also got artificial intelligence software where the robotic vacuum cleaner, when you set it off, and you can do it via an app, and it goes directly to the messiest spot because it knows that you know, that's a spot that I need to clean first and then I will map out my room and clean the room. You know, so it's things like that in this mega trend that we're really, you know, it's just growing and it's continually going to increase. But how as an investor do I get exposure to that? You know, in the ETF that we have, the index we track is the Robo Global Index. And that's got over 90 names of companies that generate 25% or more revenue from this mega trend of robotics, automation, and artificial intelligence. And it's companies that, as an investor, I don't know enough about. I'm not going to be on top of, and I don't know, should I invest in, you know, John Deere? What did John Deere? I didn't realize John Deere was a was a sort of tech company. Yeah, that you think they're just a tra- tractor company, but um, it's exactly. amazing to see that they're world leaders in artificial intelligence. Who would have thought? Who would know? have thought? Yeah. They're, they're using sensing software to be mm. able to map out the different areas of the crops and the water density so that they can efficiently disperse water. And then on the healthcare side, you know, robotics and automation and, and AI really is only just graft the surface so we're not even going deep down in healthcare and we're seeing massive benefits Mm. so intuitive surgical is is a u.s company Um, they produce what's called the da vinci machine and i would like everyone to actually go onto youtube and you know put da vinci machine in and actually search the, the machine and they've got really some really interesting videos they've got a video of this machine which can be you know operated by a doctor from the next room or from across the world and it can make, you know, minute precision surgery, you know, mid-body surgery. And it can literally, there's a video on there which shows it peeling a grape and then stitching the grape back together. Robo actually forms part of what we call the future present range. So in that range, we've got a global tech ETF, technology ETF. So the, the ticker is tech, T-E-C-H. And that is just your developed, current, established technology company. So the Googles, the Apples, the Facebooks of the world. And then we, that's our present. And then we talk about the future. And the future is robo. So robotics, automation, artificial intelligence. 
can't get that exposure. And the whole idea is I'm not buying individual stocks. I'm buying a theme. And the theme is that I know that this will be a disruptive theme. It will be a theme that will continue to grow. And that is what I would like. Um, alongside that, we've got a, a battery and technology um, and lithium mining ETF. So again, talking about renewable energy and you know electric storage and electric vehicles. You know, so that that ticker is ACDC. Um, so, and then you're talking about healthcare. So biotechnology. That is the the the, the future for healthcare. Mm-hmm. And so we launched an ETF last year around biotech. Because in in Australia, you could buy a CSL or cochlear, but they're tiny compared to. Co- Compared to what is globally, you know, there's a there's a stock in our biotech ETF. So the ETF, the ticker is Cure C U R E, but there's a stock in the index, and it's just U.S. biotech stocks, the top 120 stocks by size in the U.S. And there's a stock in there which has the larger largest market cap size of about 120 U.S. billion dollars. Now that's larger than CBA, but we here in Australia wouldn't know that. You know, Australia. Investors generally have a home bias. You know, we like to invest in the domestic economy. We like to invest in our own market. But that sometimes could be a negative for our portfolio because we're very limited in what we have, as you said, cochlear and CSL. So what I would suggest to investors is diversify. Look outside of the Australian market. You know, look at the ETFs that can help benefit your portfolio. And if you still want to take the domestic stock exposure, you can do that, but it complements what you're doing by buying the theme of what you really want. You really want biotech. You know, you're not trying to buy individual stock risk. You're buying a thematic. You're buying a sector. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I think that's one of the exciting things, isn't it, that... um you know, in the past, you'd be trying to get a diversified portfolio, yeah. And you'd buy, you know, some of the banks, some of BHP, some of Rio. That's your traditional Australian yeah. style of investing, bit of Telstra and so forth. Yeah. But it's not real diversification. But now, it's your portfolio can encompass so many more different areas and so many different industries in the world. Or well, I guess even let's not even. So you've got thematics like robo or battery tech and ACDC. Okay, that's that, or sectors. Um, but then even regions. So, you know, we talk about European markets. Europe makes up more than 20% of global markets. But how many investors here in Australia would consider buying Europe as a region? And, you know, Europe has a lot of value. It's got a lot of potential. Um, and, you know, it's quite a stable economy. Yes, fine, we've got Brexit and a lot of that's happening. But Europe specifically, core Europe, Germany, you know, there's a lot of positives in there, but would I take Europe as an exposure? But then you look at emerging markets. So in the recent years, we've had a few emerging market ETFs launched by competitors. Um, we've had a few Chinese equity ETFs launched. And one in particular example would be uh, VanEck. Um, it's one of our competitors, has launched a new China ETF. So the, the ticker is CNU. And that's looking at, you know, retail, tech, 
you know it's looking at you know the next evolution of chinese companies and that sort of that that big trend so that's a, a great example to say well i can take broad you know emerging market exposure via uh, etf or an unlisted managed fund mutual fund and then i can complement it with this specific etf and that was one of the reasons so we launched uh, india equity etf that were the first provider to do that here in australia so it's the first listed india equity exposure and the ticker is ndia now that is just a pure market exposure so it's just tracking the 50 largest companies in india mm-hmm. we're saying we're just going to give you the market you know we believe the market india it's a growing economy you know forecasted 7.5 percent growth for next year 7.7 percent growth for the for 2021 you know Big reforms have been put into place. It's structurally working. It's structurally building consumption. You know, it's... Very young population. The median population of India is 28 currently. Um, By 2030, the median age will be 32. So 75% of the workforce is currently under 30. And a very dynamic Very dynamic. And and well-educated. Well-educated. They adopt technology, um, you know, in in big swathes. And so this is going to be an area where you say, okay, well, how do I get exposure to that? Some of the listeners that we have, some are older and have got self-managed super funds or are about to retire. Some are very young people as well, and they want to gain exposure. So what's the advantage to the young person, for example, who's um, just starting out to getting into these sectors? And what's the advantage to the older people that have got their self-managed super funds? Well, I think, you know, for anyone, they've got to assess what their risk profile is and that whether you're young or old, your risk profile may end up being the same. You know, who knows? Um, so they've got to assess what their risk profile is, you know, and how diversified is their portfolio, and they've got to look at that. You know, so they've got to really understand what what they're wanting to to achieve. Uh, that that's the key goal there. You know, and so I think for a young investor, the ETFs provide a, a really easy, low cost solution because within a few ETFs, you can have a really diversified portfolio. And that's really useful for someone that doesn't have as many as much funds available to them to invest. ETFs also have options available for them. You know, so you've got products that provide yield. Um, so they don't. They're not always about. You know, we, we've talked a lot about robo. We've talked a lot, a lot about you know India or China, etc. So really growth stories. But you know, you can be very defensive as well. And so yield is income, isn't it? Yield is income, exactly. But you know, Australians love income. They love dividends. They love their franking credits. But do I need to just focus on Australia for income? Can I look outside of that? Now, we've got a U.S. equity income product, and the the ticker is ZYUS, the code. And the yield on that to the end of June, just on the index, was 5%. And I think that's the key point there is that's what ETFs are offering for any investor. So you've got products that are available that are suitable for those that, you know, low-cost building blocks for the really early investors that just want to build something and then they can take a particular exposure into, you know, something of interest to them like robotics and automation or, you know, I was talking with a friend on the weekend about, you know, she wanted to be quite ethical in her investing and they've got some, we've got ethical ETFs available on the market now as well. So she can do that. So she can be building blocks and then take some ethical ETFs. But then as they build up their portfolio, they can then start to be a bit you know, specific and targeted and tactical, as we would say. Can I just add something to what we were talking about before, and that's about John Deere and their artificial intelligence, the, what they can actually do to individual seeds when the tractor is going around and planting the seeds. Can you tell us a bit, bit about that, please? Yeah, so I guess what it was trying to do is, so 
it would take the tractor. The tractor firstly is automated, so there's no driver in there. It's already mapped out the crop, um, so it knows the lines that it has to go. But what it's doing is it's actually going through using facial recognition technology on seeds. So seeds are that unique. Are they seeds that unique? are that unique, <laughs> exactly. So when you think about our fingerprints, they're all unique. And even a seed is unique. It's got its own fingerprint, essentially. So it's using facial um, recognition technology, and it's going through and it's mapping out and saying, okay, these seeds require more water, these seeds require less water. They're at the different stages of growth. And then it's it's dispersing the water accordingly. And I think that's what we forget is, you know, robotics and artificial intelligence and automation, we're at this precipice, this this tipping point where you're just going to see this big evolution, but it's not going to be in industries that we previously have thought of. You know, we talked about the robot vacuum cleaners and John Deere's of the world. So John Deere is buying more sensing companies and, you know, artificial intelligence companies and data analytics companies, and it's buying actual tractor companies. So would you classify John Deere as a tractor company or would you classify John Deere as a tech company? So it's interesting to see, but I as an investor here in Australia would have no idea about that. And that's why I buy into those sorts of ideas, you know, the thematic ETFs where I know the theme will cover that in some way, shape, or form. Okay, forgetting about ETFs, but if you were to buy stocks, and it's about diversification, and we all know how important diversification is, but to be mathematically diversified, you need 30 stocks in your portfolio. How does that work? So I think what it's the mathematical theory that if you had five stocks, you're not diversified. If you had 10 stocks, you're not diversified. Especially in Australia, you're not diversified because when we look at an Australian you know, basic investment portfolio, everyone goes for the big 10, you know, your big four banks or your Telstra's, your, C- your BHP's, your Rio's, your West Farmer, your Woolworth's. Are you really diversified? You, know, you don't have any technology exposure within that. You, you don't have any real consumer discretionary exposure within that. You, know, you don't have any regional exposure within that. But that's that's just on shares. You know, we just talked about equities just in terms of your diversification. You haven't even looked at, you know, different asset classes. You know, should you be buying fixed income? You know, should you be buying commodities? You know, across equities, you need to have more than just five or ten. You can't be concentrated. And you need to build out the portfolio. So the ETFs solve that purpose. You know, they give you an ability to buy one. So one unit in a... ASX 200 ETF gives you exposure to the 200 largest stocks on the Australian Stock Exchange, one unit of that ETF. So all of a sudden, I'm diversified. <laughs> um, but then I need to diversify further. So portfolio diversification, so in your investment portfolio, you shouldn't just be diversified across you know, your, what I would say is just equities or shares. You need to look at other asset classes and really build out a properly diversified portfolio so that you can ride out through the, 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 the ups and the downs. You know, when you talk to a financial planner, a lot of them don't talk about how much they're going to give you in return, you know, what they can achieve. A lot of the time they talk to you about protecting your investment. And that's a whole idea about diversification. So diversify a bulk of your portfolio, you know, really make sure that it's safe. You're, you're safeguarding your, your nest egg and you're growing it slowly. And then if you want to take bets, take your bets, but do it with a smaller allocation that if you're happy to lose is what I say. You know, your friends would ask or people ask, you know, should I take this? Should I take that? Well, there's a risk in everything. And, you know, taking a particular risk, you need to have a, a strong base first. And if you can take that risk, then you should. Then, then that's, that's entirely up to you. Because um, high risk means high returns. High risk means high returns. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know. 
But an example, we've got a Palladium ETF. Now, it's the best performing ETF across all 200 products on the Australian Stock Exchange. Yeah, and who, who even knows what Palladium is? Yep. Yeah, so I was having to explain this to, to someone the other day. And, you know, Palladium is essentially a precious metal. Um, it's short in supply. You know, it's only mined in, in South Africa. Um, and so there's limited supply. There's high demand for it, especially as emission standards for cars, for petrol vehicles around the world increase. How, does, how is palladium used in a car? So it's used in the catalytic converters. So basically the conversion of the petrol into you know, a more cleaner you know, output. The amount of palladium used in one vehicle is about $200. US So very small. But when you talk about how many vehicles are being produced for countries like China, India now, the US, Europe, you're seeing much more, many more petrol vehicles being produced. So there's an increased demand in palladium. So we've got a listener question. This is from Barry Cunningham. I'll be retiring in three years' time, and I'm interested to know more about investment options to keep my wife and I funded for at least 30 long and happy years. I'll be going to a financial advisor, but I want to know more about the products they recommend. I'm not a professional investor, but I don't want to be blindly taking advice without having a certain level of knowledge myself. How can I start to know what I need to know? Thanks for the question, Barry. So, Barry, I think um, first thing is uh, the Australian government's got a very good website in, in moneysmart.gov.au. Um, and I think first point is go there. Um, go there because it actually explains what a managed fund is. It explains what an exchange trade fund is. It explains what a LIC, listed investment companies or listed investment trust. You know, really use that source first um, to give you some basic knowledge. Also, in terms of choosing your financial planner, you know, you can search your financial planner um, on that particular website and actually gives you the history of the financial planner. And so you can see, you know, have them in caught up with, with, any, um, with any issues or, you know, et cetera. So I would suggest that's the first point of call. The other side of it is go to, you know, do Dr. Google, you know, literally go to some, you know, so if your financial planner comes to you, so you've done that, you've gone to, you know, the government website, you've got some basic knowledge around what a managed fund is, what an exchange traded fund is, do your own research. You know, each of the fund managers in Australia, well, majority of them anyway, you know, especially the, the larger ones have a lot of information on their website, as I said before. So, Kanish, you've got a two-year-old son, haven't you? I do, yes. At what age are you going to start uh, teaching investing? Well... How, how, how young can you start? Yeah, it's funny. I think, you know, from the age of probably five, I can probably start talking to him about saving. Um, mm -hmm. And the age of probably sort of six or seven, I think probably seven when you can start to say they start to want something, you can start to sort of talk to them about, well, if you want this, you can, uh, you can give me something and you can try to invest it to try and build to get that. So saving and investment go hand in hand. Um, so I would probably start from about the age of five or six, probably, yeah. So how old do you think he'll be before he gets his uh, first ETF? Uh, I think he'll probably be younger than that because I've probably bought it for him already. <laughs> <laughs> Which one have you got for him? So for him, I've actually just got a, a basically a collection of, of ETFs. So it's a very small basic portfolio of, of five or six ETFs. Mm -hmm. um, so things like you know physical gold. Um, so the GLD ETF, uh, he can be a little bit more risky. He's got a longer term horizon, a very know? long term horizon. Yeah, so, yeah. so things like NDIA and, and and so forth. You know the the growth the growth plays. Mm -hmm. You know he's not he's not looking for income at the moment. He's looking for growth. Yeah. So yeah. So, so we can be a bit, be, be a bit riskier. 
mm-hmm. with, with some of his investments. His risk his risk profile is very high, according to his very father. Ag- exactly, according to his father. <laughs> and a very yeah. aggressive yeah, exactly. two-year-old. Yeah, yeah a very <laughs> aggressive two-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, tell us a bit about ETF Securities, about where we can get in touch with you and um, what resources you've got for the listeners. And Yeah, um, definitely. So, you know, we talked about ETFs in the market. They've been around for about 16 years. Um, but ETF Securities has been around for, for pretty much 16 of those years. We're the second oldest provider in Australia. Is it an Australian company? or a, Australian-owned a- company mm-hmm. um, started by a man called Graham Tuckle. Um, mm-hmm. So he's the founder and still the owner of ETF Securities. And he's actually quite a big philanthropist. You know, he's, he's got a foundation with the Australian National University um, in, in Canberra. And really for us as ETF Securities, as I said before, we want to provide the intelligent alternative. And I guess the, the point around that is we're wanting to be a a partner for investors. So we want to make sure investors have everything at their fingertips and all the information to make the best decision for them. So we do a lot of content. Um, we do a monthly newsletter, which has education. It has market news. It has research and product news. And so that's probably a, a key thing there. So for investors that want to be on our newsletter, um, they can go to etfsecurities.com. They can subscribe. And as I would say also is go to the website and have a look under the resources section. There's a lot of really useful information. And if you go to the contacts um, page, you can actually see the numbers there. Um, Feel free to call us. You know, we've got a team just in the sales team alone. We've got six people happily to take anyone's call during you know market hours so any questions around etfs any questions around trading of etfs what should i do should i not do this we'll happily try and help you out so 16 years you must have been pioneers in the the field in australia the world's first physically backed gold product um so around the world there was never a gold product that gave you physical exposure so we graham tuckwell you know launched that here in australia and that product was then replicated over in the u.s and the uk yeah, I've got, um, I've got friends who get excited about gold because one friend has bought something where you can actually get the gold, I think. Or Yeah, so with, with our product, you can actually redeem for the metal if you would like. Wow. No if one you want does. your own bullion. Yeah, yeah if, if people want to, they can. <laughs> but there are costs associated with that Yeah, yeah. But because we physically back our product. So mm-hmm. the, 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 the code is G-O-L-D. It's the world's first physically backed gold product. We have over $740 million worth of gold sitting in a vault mm-hmm. attached to the investors for the unit holders. So the unit holders there. Hang on, can, just get, so that in, how, much, how much gold have you got sitting in the vault? Over seven hundred million Australian dollars. Where's this vault? Uh, it's in London. Um, so you know the custodian for our for that product is HSBC. So it sits in a vault for H, with HSBC. So if it's open ended, does that mean you've got to keep on putting more gold yeah, into it? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So you know we've seen you know begin flows recently into wow. the product, and we keep <laughs> buying more gold, and we will happily will continue to do that. Um, but and that's the thing, it's attached to the end investor. So the end unit holders, that is their gold. We can't touch it as ETF securities. All we ETF securities are doing providing a vehicle for the investor to invest in it. So doomsday scenario, things like that, they've still got their gold sitting in the vault. So you can go over to London and uh, pick it up. <laughs> if they would like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Kanish, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you there. Today. No, thank you so much. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice, and you shouldn't buy or sell any shares based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances, or current situation. And I'd also like to say a big thank you to Christopher Sulos of Garlic Breath Studios for all the fantastic help with the music production.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.